So, um, again, thanks for coming out on just a Wednesday night when you could be doing anything else and uh, come to join the live stream as we just gather around his word and as we study it together and just hopefully uh, grow in our relationship with Christ during this time. Um, I started a brand new sermon series last Wednesday. It's called Kingdom Minded. And what we're doing is, is we are studying uh, and looking at the Sermon on the Mount and going through it uh, verse by verse, passage by passage, of what it means uh, to be a true follower of Christ. That the, uh, that the goal of this sermon series is that in Matthew 4, Jesus is starting his ministry and he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And so if we have truly repented of our sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and received him as Lord and Savior, then that means we have been delivered into his kingdom and are now to represent him and his kingdom. So what does that look like to represent him? What does that look like to no longer be earthly minded, but to be kingdom minded? And so that's the goal of this uh, of this sermon series is to go through the Sermon on the Mount and go through the Beatitudes and everything else that Jesus preached about to see what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. And so tonight, last week, we looked at blessed are those that are poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Tonight, we are going to be looking at blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. And Honestly, during this time, there could truly be a lot to mourn over during this time. In fact, I want to start out by asking uh, this question to each and every one of you is, is when is the last time that you have just had a really good cry? Uh, when is the last time that you just truly grieved over something? Was it the loss of, let's say, this school year? Uh, for some of you students, just this loss of this school year, uh, the loss of just a season of sports gone in an instant. Uh, maybe for some of you that are seniors in high school, just uh, 10 plus years of, of working hard and trying to get to this point and being able to have just uh, have one last hurrah and enjoy it during this time. Prom and walking across stage and earning that diploma and just all of that being changed in just a moment. Um, Maybe for some of you, uh, for mourning, for ha just truly crying, maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe uh, it's receiving that unfortunate news of, let's say, cancer or that the cancer has returned. Maybe it's receiving the news of, of a divorce or during this time, a loss of a job. When is the last time that you truly just had a good cry, just a cry where you mourned over something? What I want us to look at tonight is just uh, what, how we as Christians are to mourn. That yes, these are things to absolutely mourn over. That these are just difficult things. And, and during this time, it can be easy uh, to, to mourn over things. But what I want us to look at tonight is how we are to mourn over sin. How last week we looked at when we understand our spiritual bankruptcy, our spiritual poverty, as we see our need for Christ. And so what I want us to look at tonight is that the more and more we continue to follow Christ, see our need for Christ, the more and more we will just see how much sin affects us and affects others and affects this world around us. And that should cause us to mourn. That should cause us to grieve seeing these things. 
But the thing is, us, as, as fallen, sinful human beings, is, is we are not prone to mourn over sin. We're not prone to mourn over these things. In fact, uh, how, how our lives, how our heart is bent towards is we want to embrace sin. We want to embrace sin. We want to celebrate it. We want to indulge in it and live in it. But what we see, what we see that by the power of the gospel, it not only breaks our heart for sin, it breaks us from that mentality. It breaks our heart for sin, but it also comforts us. How it also comforts us. And when we do truly mourn over sin and mourn over its effects. And I think uh, just so much of now, we are truly seeing that. We are just seeing the effects of sin. We're seeing how it affects other people. And this should, uh, this should cause us as believers to mourn. So if you have your copy of God's word, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, looking at verse 4 tonight. Uh, again, we are, we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we uh, are looking at how Jesus, he has, he has come low and, and he has gone up to the hill. He has gone up onto the hill and he's called his disciples to come to him. And, um, and now he is teaching his disciples. He's drawing them close. And he said, um, we're looking at the Beatitudes. That this is what your attitude is to be as a follower of Christ. And what we see with each one is we are to see an attitude that we are to have and a blessing that comes from that attitude that we are to have. So again, we are in Matthew chapter 5, looking at verse 4. So this is the word of the Lord. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, just thank you so much for tonight. God, I just pray as we gather around our phones and our tablets and our computer screens and TV screens, I pray just over this time you will free us up from any distractions. I pray that we will just focus in on your word that we will look at uh, what you are calling us to be as followers of Christ. I pray that, that by your grace we'll be able to understand this, we'll be able to process it, that it'll just, uh, just plant a seed in our heart and just bear fruit. Bear fruit in repentance and following after Christ as only you can help us with that. So I pray over these next several minutes, Lord, that you will just open up our hearts and minds, open up our eyes and ears to see and hear what you have to tell us through your word, to understand this and to become more like your son, Jesus, that it will convict us of sins that we need to repent of. It will encourage us in ways to continue to pursue after you. And ultimately, it will help us draw closer to your son, Jesus, to see our need for him and to become more like him. So I pray during this time that I will hide behind your word and let it speak for itself, that your cross will be on display um, from beginning to end. And that is what we look to, that it won't be any sort of uh, opinion of mine, but it'll only be your truth. And I pray all of this in the holy, precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, so like I said, what we are looking at is, is we're looking at with each one of these Beatitudes, an attitude we are to have and a blessing that comes from having that attitude. And so the attitude we look at tonight is this. The attitude is we grieve over sin. Is that we grieve over sin. Is it says, blessed are those who mourn. Now what I want us to understand is what this is not mourning over. 
This is not mourning over feeling sorrow over discontent over a situation. This is not feeling sorrow over some sort of worldly loss. This is not feeling sorrow over wounded pride. This is not an earthly kind of sorrow that we are to be having. Instead, the kind of mourning meant in this verse is a spiritual mourning. It's a spiritual mourning. This mourning, like I said, it's mourning over sin. It's mourning over sin and seeing its effect. And and this mourning is in two ways that we are to look at. The first one, like I said, is sin and its effects. And the second one is this, is suffering and persecution due to our allegiance to Jesus Christ. So the first one is this, it's mourning over sin and its effects. So we're going to look at that one next. Mourning over sin and its effects. And there are two verses that closely tie into this first one, this mourning over sin and its effects. And the first one is this, is Matthew 5, 3, the verse right before this, where it said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven that we are to understand our spiritual poverty. We are to recognize our spiritual bankruptcy and our need for Jesus. We are to see our need from that is where it starts, is that we see our own fallenness. We see our own sinfulness. We see our own need for Christ. So that is one verse closely tied to mourning over sin and its effects. The other one is in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Where what we're going to see, it's, it's a mourning over uh, Israel and their state and just how, they, uh, how they've got into exile. So let's read it over this. It's Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2, where it says this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord to comfort all who mourn. And so Isaiah is coming to bring good news and to comfort those who mourn as Israel expresses just this sorrow over being exiles, uh, which was caused by their sin. It was caused by their sin that they're mourning over their own state and what it has led them to. And in a comparison today, it should have us mourning over the sin and its effects and where it has brought us to and just what is going on around us. We have that same kind of sorrow, that same kind of mourning today. Is that when we truly see sin, we truly see how it separates us from God. We truly see that when we let sin take root and let it grow and how it produces death and brokenness and the harm that is caused from the fall of man in Genesis 3, it should cause us to mourn over sin. So let me ask us this. Do we truly mourn over sin? Do we truly mourn over the effects that it's caused? Do we truly mourn over the state of our country and as sin runs more and more rampant? When we look at sin, we look at our own fallenness. Does that cause us to mourn? Does that cause us to grieve over just how we once lived and how we continue to struggle with these things and see our need for Christ? Or do we look at our sin as not that big of a deal? Do we see it as not that big of a deal? And what I want us to understand is we are to see our sin as a big deal because that is what caused just this fallen world we live in. That is what has caused the fallen nature that we are born with and ultimately led to Jesus having to die on the cross to pay for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. 
that God takes sin seriously, and that if he takes sin seriously, so should we as his followers. That it can be easy to get angry of what happening, what's happening around us, that as, as the moral landscape of our country rapidly shifts, that it can be easy to get angry over a people when we see people promote and endorse and even celebrate sin, celebrate things that are wrong, celebrate things that we know are in total contradiction to God and what he has for us. But the thing is, it can be so easy for us to get angry at those people, angry at what's going on around us. But here's the thing, when we live out Matthew 5, 3, when we see our own spiritual bankruptcy, our own spiritual poverty, when we see our own need for Jesus and his grace on a daily basis, as we daily pursue him, we see even more of our brokenness from our sin and our need for Jesus. And that should lead to us and our hearts breaking for these people. That, that having our eyes open to this should cause our hearts to break and our eyes to fill with tears as we grieve over sin and grieve over people that are lost in sin. How, how at one point sin had a hold on us, but how daily we try to put off those old sinful habits and put on new godly habits as we pursue after Christ. And how we see how our sin can take root in our lives and grow and affect so many people around us. The more we see our spiritual poverty, the more we see our need for Jesus. And the more we will not only mourn over our sin, but we will mourn over those who are still uh, captive to sin. So the more we understand our own need for Jesus, the more we understand our spiritual poverty, bankruptcy, brokenness, we will be able to truly understand other people that they are lost that'll help us mourn over those people rather than be angry at those people. It will have our hearts break over them rather than become callous towards them. So let me ask this, when we see coworkers, friends, loved ones, or even just people over social media living in sin, are we quick to feel angry and judge them? Or are we quick to feel compassion and pray for them? If we are truly a follower of Christ, then we will remember that we were once just like them. And that we were once lost in sin, but now we are found and living in the grace of Christ. That we are saved by grace through faith. That he was able to open up our eyes to our sin and fallenness. And then when he opens up our eyes to our own sin and fallenness and brokenness, it causes us to weep over that and pursue Christ more to help us. But it should also break our hearts and weep for those who are still lost and need to be found. A beautiful picture of this is Matthew 9, 36 through 38, where it says Jesus looked upon the crowds and he felt compassion for them. That they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That he said the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. That Jesus felt compassion over these people. Compassion over the same people. He knows some of them would mock him, deny him, crucify him. Yet he still felt compassion for them. Compassion for people that would still reject him. He still felt compassion for them. Even though their hearts might be hardened to the truth of the gospel. 
that we are to have that same compassion that Christ had. That we look across this vast crowd of people, we look across our country, we look across our schools, we look across our workplaces, our neighborhoods, or even just over social media. Do we feel this compassion towards people or do we feel contempt? Christ calls us to love our enemies. We are to love our enemies just as he loved his enemies. That Jesus loved his enemies up until the very final breath he took. That as people are mocking him and beating him and just, and just pushing the crown of thorns on his head and saying, here is the king of the Jews. He easily could have just had contempt, but instead we hear just these words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is compassion. That is truly having compassion for other people. And it's that same type of supernatural compassion that we are to have for others. That when we look across our country, we look across just all these things, whether it be loved ones, friends, coworkers, teammates, classmates, or just random people we see on social media or the news. Instead of being quick to judge and just want to have contempt and hate for them, it should break our hearts that they are living in sin and that they don't see the beauty of Christ. We are to mourn over that. That we are to see other people spiritually lost and living in sin and how their sin is hurting others and that should break our hearts hearts. This, this, this whole morning goes with the whole point of these Beatitudes and Matthew's theme throughout this of repentance, of repentance, of turning from our old way of living and turning to Christ and believing in him and following after him. That this repentance is not just a one-time event where, okay, I repented of my sins, I turned away from it, I prayed my prayer, I believed in Jesus, and now I'm good, um, and I'll see you in heaven. No, what, what this repentance is, it's an ongoing daily lifestyle. That yes, when we truly have had our eyes opened and our hearts broken over our sin and seeing our spiritual lostness, that when we repent of our sin and turn to Jesus, believe on him and receive him as Lord and Savior, then yes, we are truly saved and eternally secure. And that yes, we are forgiven for all of our sins for all of time. All of those sins and skeletons in the past we have, yes, we are forgiven of those. But there are still sinful habits in place that we are to daily repent of, to turn from and turn to Christ and have him instill those godly habits in our lives. That repentance is an ongoing lifestyle. And that this repentance, like I said, leads to mourning over sin leads to mourning over sin and deliverance into the kingdom of heaven. But it also leads to the second way we are to look at. The second way really to mourn, and that is mourning comes from suffering and persecution to our allegiance to Christ, to our allegiance to the kingdom of heaven that we've been delivered into. So the two ways we are to mourn, the first one is sin and its effects. The second one is suffering and persecution that come from allegiance to Christ and his kingdom. And here's what I want us to understand is that if we are a follower of Christ, we will face persecution. That if we are a follower of Christ, we will face persecution. We cannot separate mourning from sin from mourning over persecution. We cannot separate these two. 
that we truly mourn, when we truly mourn over sin, we will turn away from it. We truly mourn from sin, we will turn away from it. And when we turn away from sin, we will face persecution from sinners. Why? Because they are still living in sin and they are called to repent just as we are. But they don't want to. We, we are living in a way that is totally opposite, totally counter to what the world just produces, to what the world says is right. We see Jesus talk about this in John 15, 18 through 25, where Jesus said, look, the world hated me first. That, that if, if, if you were of the world, then the world would love you and embrace you. But, but you were chosen and saved by me and that the servant is no greater than his master. So if Jesus as our master was, was tortured, was persecuted and ultimately crucified by the world, then we are to expect the same kind of persecution as we follow after Jesus, that we will face persecution, we will face suffering. That we are living in a way, like I said, that is completely opposite to the philosophy of the world that we live in. And that there will be difficulties, there will be struggles, and there will be suffering from this persecution. Why? Because we live in a fallen, sinful world with fallen, sinful human beings. So let me ask us this. Have, have you ever faced opposition to your faith? Have you ever had to step up and defend the faith throughout your life? Would someone be able to tell us our lives apart from others? Would someone be able to tell that our life has been transformed by grace? Would someone, would people be able to look at us and tell that we are unashamedly pursuing Christ? That his approval is worth infinitely more than the world's approval. That we are to pursue that, but when we pursue Christ, obviously we will face persecution. Because as Christ calls us to repent and daily pursue him, he is also calling other sinners that are lost in this sin to come to repent. And many don't want to do that because like I said, our hearts are bent towards wanting to indulge in sin, to live in that, to do what's best for us. But Christ says we are to deny ourselves. We are to pick up our cross. We are to daily kill ourselves off daily to pursue him, become more like him, and have his life be produced just that much more in our life. And we do that, we will face persecution. As followers of Christ, we are called to mourn. We are to mourn over sin. We are to mourn over the effects of sin. We are to mourn over those who are lost in sin. We are to mourn over the suffering and persecution faced uh, from the sin uh, and our loyalty to Christ. And, and that can seem very difficult. Wow, this is, this is a lot to take on. Okay, we're, we're mourning over sin and its effects. We're, we're mourning over people lost in sin. And those lost people could be loved ones and friends and people really near and dear to us. Okay, we're facing persecution because we're following after Christ. And, and, we're, and we're trying to wrestle daily with, with just the flesh and spirit of, gosh, like, okay, I, I, there's things I know that I need to do, but I, I don't do it. And there's stuff that, that I know I don't want to do, but I do that anyway. And all these things can be so difficult. So, so what, can be, what can be a promise? What can be helpful during this time? How can this truly be beneficial? And we see the promise of that in the second half of this verse. We see the blessing that comes from those who mourn. 
Which leads to our second main point, which is this, is that we shall be comforted. We shall be comforted. That as it said in the first half of the verse, blessed are those who mourn. That is the attitude we're to have. We are to mourn over sin. We're to mourn over that. We're to mourn for the persecution and suffering we face. But it says, for they shall be comforted. That is a promise. That is a promise from God. It is not saying, okay, I will think about it. I will consider it and I will get back to you. No, he's saying, if you truly mourn over these things, if you truly are pursuing Christ in these things, then we shall be comforted by God. But this only comes from, this comfort only comes from true mourning. The true mourning, it's this bitter, deep within our souls of of just our hearts breaking over these things. It is not superficial. Then we truly mourn over sin. We are promised that we shall be comforted by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we will be comforted in two different ways. We'll be comforted in two different ways. And in the two ways we're comforted is in the present and in the future. We'll be comforted in the present and in the future. So let's look at what it means to be comforted in the present right now. So like I said, we are comforted by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're comforted by Him. And so for God the Father, it says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5, through that praise our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Father of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we also share abundantly in the comfort of Christ too. That we, that he's the God of all comfort. Not some, not once in a while, not when he picks and chooses, but he's the God of all comfort and comforts us in all our afflictions. That yes, as we pursue Christ, yes, we will share in his sufferings and the persecution he faced. But at the same time, we will also share abundantly in his comfort as well. And in between those verses as well, it also says we'll be able to comfort others who are also being afflicted. That we as a church, we are in this together. That if we are followers of Christ, we are in this together. We bear one another's burdens. And that God is the one that's comforting us. And that we're able to keep moving onward and comfort those around us. God the Father, that he is the God of all comfort. That his comfort is beyond worldly standards or understanding. That is because it is a heavenly comfort. It is a heavenly comfort. Another way that we are comforted in the present here and now is a promise in John 10, 27 through 30, where Jesus says, I know my sheep. They hear my voice and I know them. That the Father has given them to me and that I save them for eternal life and I place them in my Father's hand. And nothing, nothing can snatch them out of the hand of my Father. That Jesus knows us. He knows us. He sees us. He sees us in our suffering. He sees our hurt. He sees our pains. He sees the difficulties we are facing And the beautiful thing is that if we have repented of our sins, if we have believed on him, if we have received him as our Lord and Savior, then it says we have been placed in the everlasting hand of God the Father. And nothing can snatch us out of that hand. It makes me think of that beautiful hymn, that beautiful verse in in the hymn, In Christ Alone, which we'll be singing this upcoming Friday, that no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck us from his hand. 
That no suffering is too great that his comfort can't meet us. That no persecution is too great that can try to remove us from the grace of God. That we can have the comfort knowing that if we are in Christ, we are in the eternal, secure hands of God the Father. And he cares for his children. He cares for his sheep. We're comforted by Jesus Christ in in a few ways. The first one is is in Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. It says how Jesus came to serve not angels, but the offspring of Abraham, which is you and I, that he took on flesh so that he could break the chains of lifelong slavery. He could break the power of death that Satan had over us. All of these things that he was tempted in every way, yet without sinning. So that when we are tempted, he can help us with that. That he took on flesh and he understands when we are tempted and persecuted because he experienced the exact same thing. And Jesus endured through it all, yet was without sin and was faithful until the very end. And he will provide the same grace for us as we follow his example, as we follow that example to be faithful until the end. We'll be able to endure until the end. The second way we see this continuing in Hebrews is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Where it says we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. The the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. That by faith they're able to do these things. That yes, they face difficulties and trials. But by faith they're now in the hall of faith. And we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. That we're able to run this race with endurance. That we are looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That Jesus by his grace brought us into this race. But he doesn't just stop there. It says he is the author and perfecter. The author, the starter, and the finisher of our faith. So he doesn't just place us in this race and go, all right, you're on your own. I'll see you in heaven on the finish line. He says, no, I'm with you every step of the way. Look to me. I will give you the grace to be able to finish. And we know that it says we can lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us because we are looking to Jesus who for the joy that lay before him was crucified, suffered, took all that away and now sits at the right hand of the Father, cheering us onward, giving us the grace to keep through these, through the good days and through the bad days. And another way, as we see, is in John 16, verse 33, where Jesus says, hey, I have come to give you peace. That, that yes, um, I've come to give you peace. That this world will persecute you. This world will throw everything at you. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. That Jesus has come to give us peace. And it says this peace in Philippians 4, it is a peace that is beyond understanding. It is a peace that is beyond comprehension. It will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're comforted by God the Father, we're comforted by God the Son, and we're comforted by God the Holy Spirit. But God the Holy Spirit. And it says in Romans 8, 11, that this same power that resurrected Jesus out of the grave is the same power that resurrects us from spiritual death to spiritual life and now lives within us, is indwelt within us. So the same Holy Spirit and his power that resurrected Jesus from the grave is the same power that resurrects us from the grave and indwells in us and helps us continue to strive onward because the Holy Spirit looks to glorify Christ. That's what he does. So if he looks to glorify Christ and he's indwelt among us, then he is going to help us pursue Christ. He's going to give us that daily grace to pursue after him, to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him, to conform more into his image and give us the grace we need to continue to go onward, even when it's difficult, even when we face persecution, even when we face suffering, even when we just see 
the effects of sin, how difficult it is, the Holy Spirit helps us continue onward in this race. That we are comforted in the present, but we're also comforted in the future. Comforted in the future. Because we are given the comfort of heaven as a promise. A promise where forever we will be in the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. A promise where we are enduring through it all until the end. And with that, it produces not only endurance, but it'll produce crowns that we will throw at his feet, saying that he is worthy of it all because he is all we want and he is all that we need. If our comfort is beyond understanding now on earth, imagine how much greater And even more beyond understanding, our comfort will be we are in heaven in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, we're comforted by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That by God the Father, that he will judge all and he will avenge the righteous who were persecuted during this life. That he will avenge his children. That he is the great, just judge. But also Jesus Christ, he is our great high priest who pleads on our case and is waiting at the finish line to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then again, we are promised by the Holy Spirit that we're comforted by the Holy Spirit with this, where it says in Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, that it says we have repented and believed on Lord Jesus Christ just as the Holy Spirit resurrected Jesus from the grave and he resurrects us from spiritual death to spiritual life and he indwells among us. We are eternally secure. That it says in Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, that that Holy Spirit, he is our down payment. He is our inheritance for the day of Christ. That, that he is our seal that he seals within us and seals us for the day of Christ. And that is our comfort as well, knowing that he seals us for that and that we can have comfort knowing that we are eternally secure. That he will not only strengthen us to pursue Christ and become more like him, but seals us for the day of Christ when we'll be glorified and forever united with Jesus. That if we are mourning over sin, if we are enduring through suffering, Right now, I want you to take heart. I want each one of us to take heart. Know that God sees you. God knows you. God desires to draw close to you during this time. That, that he desires just to comfort you, to establish peace in your lives. He's the God of all comfort. He's the God of all peace, and he desires to establish peace in our lives. That if we have repented of our sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been delivered into his kingdom, become his children. And we have a loving father who cares for his children. So maybe there's some of you right now that you are dealing with difficulties right now. You are really suffering through hard times right now. That these circumstances around us right now, it could be difficult. It could have changed complete schedules. It could complete, com- uh, just change complete lives. I want you to take heart. Know that God sees you. God knows all of that about you, all that is weighing heavy on your hearts and minds, all the things that you are burdened by, all the things that you are frustrated with and angry with. He sees all of that. 
And yet he still says, cast all of that onto me. Cast all of your burdens and anxieties onto me because I care about you. And I will not let the righteous stumble. I will not let them fall. I will guide them every step of the way because he loves us. Here's the thing, we must turn to him and admit our need for him. That if we truly desire this comfort, that if we're a true follower of him, that we will daily turn to him, see our need for him, pursue him, and then he will comfort us because of that. But we need to turn to him and admit our need for him. Then we turn to him, repent of our sins, we mourn of our sins and sinfulness that plagues this world, then he promises us comfort. He promises a comfort, a heavenly comfort, a comfort beyond comparison, a comfort for now, for tomorrow, and forever. Because as it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Maybe there are some of you that, that are watching this live stream and listening into this, and you have never believed in Jesus. That, that during this time, it has been difficult, that you are facing so many struggles and difficulties. You're trying to turn to so many earthly things to help. And just none of it is working. And the truth is, none of it will ever work and none of it will truly ever satisfy. It is only by repenting of those pursuits, repenting of those sins, and turning to Jesus and believing in him, believing on just his finished work on the cross, that he came and lived this perfect sinless life, that he can understand and empathize with us to where he was faithful to the end to be a perfect sinless sacrifice and that he died on the cross to pay for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. And that he was buried in the tomb and that he was resurrected out of the grave, which we will be able to celebrate this Sunday. That he's resurrected out of the grave that If we truly want this comfort, we will turn from our earthly ways, turn to him, see our need for him, believe on him and his finished work and receive him as Lord and Savior. That if you have never done that, then I implore you today to run to Jesus, to repent of your sins and to turn to him and let him transform your life to save you from spiritual death to spiritual life and give you a comfort beyond comparison. Maybe there are some of you that are believers that are watching this and you are struggling, that that it is difficult during this time. It could be health. It could be finances. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. It could be whatever that is just difficult during this time. And my encouragement for you is just to return back to the beauty of the gospel, that the gospel not only saves us, but it secures us and it sanctifies us. means we're daily to look at it and see our need for Jesus. Know that if you are struggling during this time, knowing that Jesus is near and you can take heart in that, that he desires to come close. He desires to come close and establish peace, a peace that is beyond understanding in your life. Lastly, maybe there are some of you that are believers and that you are doing really well in this time, that, that you are pursuing Christ daily, that, that you are truly, in many ways, thriving in this time. My encouragement for you would be these two things. One, continue to pursue Christ. 
Continue to preach the gospel to yourself daily. Continue to remember where our help comes from, where our grace comes from, where all of our strength comes from, that it only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And my second encouragement for you would be to continue to not only preach that gospel to yourself, but to come alongside other believers, other believers and comfort them in this time. Like it said, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the God of all comfort and comforts us in all our afflictions so that we might comfort others. So I want us to take this gospel and to come alongside each other because if we are in Christ, then we are family and family cares for one another. Family bears one another's burdens. That we are under this beautiful banner of the gospel. And that's what strengthens us. That's what unifies us. That's what brings us together. That's what helps us endure until the end. So if you are truly pursuing Christ and thriving in this time, come alongside those fellow believers. Come alongside those unbelievers. Continue to point them to Jesus as only Jesus can by working in and through us. Because like it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, We are in desperate need for you. We are in desperate daily need for you. That we need your grace to help us to continue onward. We need just your help to continue to follow your example. That we continue uh, to repent of our sins and repent of our sinful ways and turn to you and continue to pursue you. That you continue just to chisel away at us as we continue to be conformed more into your image. And as we do that, we will face difficulties and sufferings and persecution. And, and it seems like just even right now, just as we turn left and right, it just seems to become just more and more difficult. And I pray, will we not look to those things, but look to you as our comfort. That you remind us that you are all we need. That as we go through this Holy Week and we get closer and closer to Easter, that as we look upon the cross, but more importantly, we look upon the empty tomb, know that there is no persecution, no sin, none of it is too great for your love and grace and peace. So would you help us turn back to you? Turn back to you as only you can help us do that, that by your grace, we will repent of our sins, believe on you, and and just continue to pursue you daily. I want to pray for just the people that are suffering during this time, whether it be from this virus, whether it be from financially with losing a job, whether it be whatever the case is all around the world, that you will just comfort them in this time. That we will look our eyes up to the hills and say, where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Would you be our anchor in these uncertain trying times? Will you be our peace that is beyond understanding as our circumstances can become just so wild and crazy? Will you be the comfort that rests just over all of our souls? And that's what we continue to walk towards in your peace and comfort and strength and grace and point people to you along the way. Help us be the church during this time. Help us be true followers of Christ that as only you can. It is only by your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done, all that you're doing even right now, and all that you will continue to do. We pray all of this in your holy, precious name. Amen.